Hi, everybody. Welcome to No Show. A few weeks ago, Jeff and I interviewed Matt Cornelius, Executive Vice President of Airports Council International North America. And Matt is a veritable encyclopedia of information about how and why airports work. In this episode, we talk more about how airports make money and the impact a dominant carrier has on a city. And then uh, to round it off, we talk about the best way to actually board a plane. So here we go. And Jeff will kick us off right now. All right. So Matt, let's shift to how do airports make money, right? Uh, We talked in the last episode that they're a mix of public-private, but a little bit more public here. Uh, So what airport makes the most money? Is there a correlation to city size and traffic, or are there other driving forces, you know, mix of international or pass-through climate? Uh, age of passenger, age of airport, who makes the most money? So it's a, it's a good question. So the other piece I didn't uh, talk about in the federal rules that's important is that one of the key rules is that uh, money made at a U.S. airport cannot leave the U.S. airport, whether it's part of a city or part of uh, an airport authority. So we don't really think about profit in uh, the normal business sense because it just gets load back into the operations. And so it's hard to say really, you know, the the the, the financial structures that vary um, locally in terms of the relationship that's built with the commercial folks um, vary quite a bit. And so it's hard to really to say that. What I would say, the rest of the world is private and is, you know, doesn't have these rules. And so um, airports are generally very, very profitable. You know, you're, the places with the most amount of, tra- you know, traffic and, and commercialization are, are probably the most profitable. So, you know, what comes to mind is we talked about Changi. I would imagine that they're very, very profitable. London Heathrow, Sydney Kingsford. Uh, Dubai, you know, Abu Dhabi. That are, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's a little bit harder. Is You know, they, they tend to be more consolidated, I think is a good way to put it in terms of, you know, it's part of the government, it's part of the air, the airlines, part of the airport. The, you know, it's all kind of one. But yeah, I would imagine they're doing pretty well. In percent of revenue, how much does a, an airport take from, you know, what percent comes from gate fees, restaurants, parking, taxis, airport fees? So if you look at an airport's revenue, again, generally in the U.S., 50-50, so 50% from aeronautical, um, you know, landing fees, gate rents, parking charges. Uh, on the aeronautical side are, are sort of the key key ones. Non-aeronautical revenue, you know, parking is is probably usually number one. Car rentals, um, concessions program, uh, food and beverage or retail. Uh, th- th- those, it's usually always 50-ish percent. Um, the breakdown amongst their, you know, who's number one will vary by location. So, um, Orlando uh, International is, you know, car rental crazy. I think they're the number one car rental. Uh, Tampa's number two, but it makes sense, right? Everybody comes into Orlando. They're not going to just, you know, take a bus to Disney. They are going to go to Universal. They need a car. So it's it's the number one rent, car rental market. So their uh, share on non-aeronautical is going to be mostly car rental. But if you go to, you know, I don't know LaGuardia, LaGuardia is going to be more maybe advertising, maybe um, the concessions program, uh, right. taking one and car rental. Less. That makes sense. I'm flying into Orlando next week. I will not be renting a car and I will be getting in and out of that airport as quickly as possible. I'm on record on this program <laughs> as having said it's the worst airport in America. I know you're not allowed to say that, but I can say no, that. 
<laughs> Actually, it's not they're the airport. They're building. They're, they're opening uh, a brand new terminal, South Terminal, uh, this August. So I'll be heading down there. That's great it's, time to be in Orlando. So how, how do airport leaders feel about the customer's oddly placed loyalty? Right. Uh, what I mean by this is that I've taken 100% of my 50 flights this year on American, and I'm not really loyal to the airline, as weird as those two things sound. Like most people, I never really think about it from the angle of why I've spent $100,000 on American Airlines flights in the last 10 years, a little bit deeper. And what really, I'm loyal to the airport. Between the three major carriers, four major carriers, I can hardly tell the difference. But the difference really is I live 20 minutes from DCA. And when it was U.S. Air, I was loyal to U.S. Air. Now it's American. I'm loyal to American. How does that make airports feel? Uh, you know, I think it's an opportunity. Uh, and it's one, you know, we're, we're a little bit behind the airlines in terms of, you know, commercialization. And, and that's a, a bit because of our history. But places are trying to do that sort of loyalty program. It's not taking the same kind of traction that, that the airlines have gotten. But, you know, that's not to say it won't in the future. Um, so uh, they are looking at loyalty programs where you get preferred parking and, you know, access to the lounge. You know, some airports are running their own lounges now, that sort of thing. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and that's where airports compete with each other. We have a big philosophical argument with the airlines. They say, oh, airports are monopolies. But airports compete with each other, you know, on a variety of different ways. And, that, and that's one of them. It, it neither, you know, and, and if you're redesigning an airport, like DFW is a good example. People love DFW because you can get out of your car and walk, you know, 20 steps, go through security and you're at your gate. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of the new airports are, you know, uh, it's half a mile to, the, to your gate and then you got to build in time. Um, DCA, like I said, it's easy. You can be, you know, it's, it's, I think it has the best um, public transit usage of any airport in the country. You know, you can be at the mall in, in 15 minutes. I, I flew into DCA uh, earlier this week was at my apartment in, in 20 minutes from the time the, the plane door opened. So um, so those are the kinds of things that airports are, are thinking about as they design and, and, and moving into the future, you know, how do we, what do customers care about? How do we build for that? How do we provide the amenities they want and, and earn their share? Because you could go to BWI or, or, or Dulles and, 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 you know, so there is competition amongst, uh, amongst airports. Most major airports seem to have one of one big carrier that's dominant, right? American, is it DCA? They got DFW, Charlotte, right? Delta's got Atlanta and Salt Lake City. Does having one dominant carrier make it better or worse for an airport? I've worked at airports where we would uh, say um, we had a nickname for the dominant carrier, uh, Lola. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, right? <laughs> and uh, and that's you know difficult from when you're the airport operator trying to direct the strategy uh and the and the you know the direction of the airport forward um and you're subservient to a carrier that's got 70 percent or more of your traffic um that's a challenge and it's bad for customers too because they're you know they they, their uh, market power pricing power and and so it's more expensive in general to operate uh, or to fly from those those types of airports um so we we advocate i advocate for you know, competition to the greatest extent possible. That that lowers fares. It, it uh, equals the playing field uh, much more. And and so I think most airport operators tell you they prefer to have uh, competition. Out of there, are 30 large hubs in the United States as defined by the FAA. Uh, 15 of the 30 large hubs have a single carrier with more than 70% uh, wow. of the market share. 
Uh, and that's really, you know, the airlines have purposely taken that strategy. And, and, it, and it's, you know, there's some efficiency there that they like, but there's also a lot of control, uh, a lot of pricing power that they get from that. And it's, um, you know, it's one of the biggest things we've, we fight about is, uh, you know, their, their sort of, um, you know, a, a monopoly power at, at these locations that is bad for, bad for everybody, really, even them sometimes. Growing up in Cincinnati, I thought Delta was the only carrier. Literally, I mean, there's not a joke. I thought Delta was the only carrier until I was about 15. Yeah, I mean, it, since you know, they they since brought that down. But um, so Charlotte is is the worst uh, at the moment in terms of concentration. I believe American has 93 percent or something of the, oh, of wow. the available access. Yeah. So if you if you live in Charlotte you know, if you want to fly anywhere, it's, it's very, very expensive because there's no competition. You know, it's a problem. And, and as the airport operator, because of the system that we have where we're, we're quasi public or actually part of the city in Charlotte's case, they're part of the city. Um, their interest, our interest as airport operators is in the economic viability of the community it serves. You know, there's a lot of benefits to Charlotte uh, having American have such a huge presence there. American has a lot of jobs there, and they, you know, like they're, so they're those good things. But at the end of the day, is Charlotte really being served well by that? It's a question. Is it true that Charlotte has the highest pass through of people who come fly in and out of the airport, but nobody actually leaves the airport? Yeah. So in our business, we call it um, there's O and D and um, and transfer traffic, right? And so. Um, a place, you know, high O and D origin and destinations O and D, um, you know, endpoints like San Diego and Boston and well, Boston to a lesser extent, but um, those are big O and D markets. The opposite side of the spectrum are places like Charlotte, um, where you know, again, uh, probably I don't know, seventy, eighty percent just going somewhere else. DCA is an is an interesting one where you know before the merger american u.s airways um that was an O&D airport and american turned it into a, a connection airport so they do a lot of connecting it's uh, when i left MWA or worked there it was i want to say they were connecting 40 percent of the passengers um wow. at dca there's a brand component to this as well i think with those airports because charlotte atlanta dfw o'hare um, probably a handful of others. I think they get a uh, reputation as being the place that you pass through, and and with that reputation, occasionally comes a sense of dread. Like, oh man, I have to transfer through, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul on this leg to to get somewhere else. I think there's something like four thousand airports in the U.S., and about ninety five percent of passengers pass through the top twenty five or so. Is that good? Is that just kind of the way it is? And we, we just sort of have to, to respect the market forces there? Or is there an untapped economic or travel opportunity there to, to sort of spread traffic around amongst uh, some of the ones that aren't in the top 25? So, so yeah, you're right. I don't know the exact stats, but um, it, again, as I said, there's 30 large hubs at the moment uh, in the US. And then the actual definition there is um, by, I want to say there, there's a formula that gets them there. So by definition, most of the traffic is going through those those locations. It, it's a question we're always trying to solve for. I, I think um, you know the airlines have purposely made their commercial strategy this situation. So when that happens, it opens up 
opportunities, right, for those new entrants who can see it and are capitalized enough to take advantage of it. There certainly are players out there now um, and always kind of come along that try to take advantage of that. Uh, in some ways, Southwest was, you know, the original uh, one who did that um, by, uh, you know, they, they say they don't have hubs, but they have hubs. Uh, but they, they do a lot of point-to-point flying. If you look at the medium hub category uh, of airports, and there's about 31 of those, I think, they Southwest does a lot of flying and most of the flying in those medium hubs, places like you know, Kansas City, St. Louis, Fort Myers is medium hub. Uh, and, and so, you know, they've certainly seen that opportunity. We have new entrants now, uh, Velo, Breeze, you know, Breeze is David Nealman. He started more there originally, JetBlue, Azul down in, in Brazil. He's been very, very successful as an airline entrepreneur. You know, he's, he's based in, what is it, Charleston, South Carolina, and He's operating in some weird, weird spots. And so he's trying to do exactly what you're asking about, trying to uh, find those markets and, and try and get people to start using them. But like you said, I mean, they, they, these big four airlines sort of have this giant sucking power you know, for passengers and revenue. And, and, you know, they just keep feeding them into the system and the system sort of feeds itself. So, so there are opportunities out there, you know, whether or not these guys get a foothold and, and change the model, then um, that'll be good for everybody. Jeff, what would you say your biggest airport wish? Let's imagine that, as, our, as, as we often do, that one of us is a magical genie. Today, Matt Cornelius would be that genie. What is your, what is your wish uh, for, uh, for airports? In Japan, when you go to get your bag, the carousel has a line around it. And everyone respectfully stands behind that painted stripe. And everyone can see the bag come. Everyone sees their bag. They step up one by one to retrieve their bag and methodically leave the airport. Why can't we do that? (laughs) It's the same principle of when the person at the gate makes the announcement. In a few minutes, we're going to start boarding the flight. We're going to start with group one. Everybody else should sit down and everybody goes to the gate, right? Yeah, I don't know. It drives me crazy, too. and uh, we, our airports have put the line down. They've put metal barriers around where the, the, the chute comes down. And What's the most efficient way to board a plane? Completely random. <laughs> we're, we're now boarding. Come on board. Um, no, it's, I actually did that when I worked at Frontier. It's one of the, the projects I got to, to get involved in, which was kind of fun, was uh, you know looking at the boarding process. Um, Continental, back in the day, did a you know, actual scientific study. And um, the fastest way to board an aircraft is completely random. The problem is, and a problem I had is that the marketing people get involved and they said, well, you know, we have uh, elite flyers that you have to, uh, we got to board them early. And then, you know, the people say, well, you know, military, we're very respectful military, we should let them board early. And I bought about old people, they got to board early. And uh, well, the families, they got to board sure. early. So sure. you know, let's not, let's no not way. forget the power of the, the carry-on. Right. In the in the days before there were carry on fees and people were more comfortable checking their bag. Uh, I say more comfortable. They didn't want to pay 70 bucks. If I'm in zone three, I need to get on that plane as fast as I can in order to find a space uh, somewhere where I can stow this barely legal <laughs> bag <laughs> that I brought on board with me. And I think that just that creates even more of a of a stampede. But there's nothing more of a downer than when you uh 
check in online day before and you were in zone seven. It's like, I, there is no, I didn't realize there was a zone seven. This is like beyond the outer rim here. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I, it's, it's an interesting point about the bag. And, you know, it, when you, so Southwest does not have bag fees. And, and uh, from an airport perspective, uh, when Southwest starts, it's, it's uh, different than other carriers because they have a, a heavier reliance on the baggage system. And baggage systems are very expensive and you know, hard to maintain and all that sort of thing. So where, you know, I think when I worked at Frontier, you know, the uh, average passenger had 0.5 bags checked, right? Um, when you get Southwest, it's 1.3 or something like that, um, which is material and significant. But, you know, you look at their boarding process and, you know, they have a very serious metered process that works for them. I don't know if it's efficient or not, but, um, you know, even without, you know, their, their overhead bins are pretty much empty. Um, so there's not that kind of pressure. You still have people, you know, trying to sneak up in the line to, I guess maybe that's because they don't assign seats. Yeah. There's always a variable that there's, Right. My final uh, random question here is uh, a hypothetical. Let's say that it's a business, it's a vendor related question. Let's say that I own a successful chain of uh, cinnamon bun uh, outlets, and I want to provide airport travelers with my delicious cinnamon buns. Do I have to sell those Airport to airport, or do I deal with some larger body that puts uh, my chain in, say, 100, 300, 1,000 of these? Because I feel like, you know, every airport felt like it had the same selection of, you know, pretzel, chocolatier, uh, cinnamon bun providers go down the list. It, there was a there was kind of a sameness to it. And I, and I wonder, did they just negotiate with a larger association or did they, did they have to go in to, uh, to Dallas, to Dayton, to Miami and, and sell everybody individually? So like everything else with our business, the answer is both or all of the above, but, but really um, the, 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 again, we have to look at the history of our business. And so, you know, 40 years ago when you flew um, your options, for food at the airport were pretty bad. You know, it was like a hospital cafeteria because actually it was a hospital cafeteria. Um, you know, a company called uh, Host Marriott Aramark, um, who, you know, had prisons, hospitals, and airports um, did the food, right? And so they had, you know, generally exclusive and, and the airports at the time were much more, you know, parts of cities. And so, you know, the city ran the, the prison and the airport and, you know, they got a great, contract with uh aramark and the, oh and the baseball stadium right and so uh you know that's the kind of legacy uh, uh and all of a sudden 90s 2000s as we said airports woke up and said wait a minute you know people don't want to eat the you know prepackaged sandwiches they'd actually like to eat at a burger king or whatever and so they've slowly you know broken away from that but but by and large there's still um you know a couple big companies that um specialize in this and so they will um they will you know franchise out basically the opportunities at an airport the airport will contract with them and then they'll contract with somebody else um and and they'll either run it themselves or they'll have you run it and I think in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, airports have been pushing this concept of a sense of place. 
so that, you know, when you're in Charlotte, uh, they want you to know you're in Charlotte and they want you to know about Charlotte and they want you to come back to Charlotte. So let's have some, uh, you know, great food that comes from, from, from North Carolina showcased in the airport. And so that, you know, the airports are starting to push on these companies that are, you know, either have the deals or to go out and get new deals where, you know, you can bring in your, your, your local um, cinnamon buns and, and sell them and people can know about, you know, this is part of what's great about this place. When the, the first New York airport to get Peter Lugers to come in, that is going to change my air travel, right? My layovers will go to that airport. Totally. Isn't well, there hey, Peter Lugers know. at JFK? No, there's something else. There's like a, there's like a Bobby Vans steakhouse, I think. You know, when people see things that they like and they want on the street, they're going to spend more money and, and you know, that makes that's good for everybody. I have one uh, final question round Robin here. What is your <laughs> favorite small airport to fly into Jeff? You start Dayton international airport, which is barely international. It's so simple. You can, you can arrive seven minutes before boarding. I love that about that airport. Uh, but I've actually, I think I shared that uh, on, a, on a previous episode. So I'm going to go with my experience yesterday. Uh, I was in St. Thomas flying from St. Thomas to Miami. Uh, the most unwelcoming arrival. There's a huge sign as you're walking, it, uh, arriving into St. Thomas. It says, you must be here three hours before your your return flight out. Uh, so it, 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 I think it's the font is larger than welcome to St. Thomas. But on my <laughs> way out, uh, it actually it was a great experience. I went right into the airport. TSA line was just me. Uh, there is a customs border check there, which I didn't expect. Again, one person in front of me. Uh, I went from uh, door to my gate in under 11 minutes. Awesome experience. Matt, you want to go next? Uh, you want me to go? <laughs> and again, I love all my airports the same, but um, I, I, maybe the easy way out is uh, what I consider my home airport. And, and actually at our offices, we have uh, each person on their door has, you know, their, their name and then their home airport code. So you know where they're from. Um, so, uh, Theodore Francis green state airport, uh, in Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, is, uh, is, I'm a native Rhode Islander. And, uh, so I have an affinity for, for that one. Um, it's, uh, uh, when I first moved back there, I moved away as a kid and came back as, as a teenager. Um, they still didn't have jet bridges, um, but they have them now. And uh, actually, they've grown uh, pretty good, uh, pretty pretty well. And they, they have a connection to Amtrak. And uh, anyway, it's uh, always feels like going home. I have three, two are just unrepentant nostalgia. I like Long Beach Airport. It's small. It's easy. You got the palm trees outside. You walk right in. You walk right out to the plane. Uh, I think a sister airport to it is the Marine Terminal at LGA. I don't know if either of you have ever flown out of that. Typically, they'll do oh, yeah. shorter flights to Chicago and Boston, maybe a couple others, but they have beautiful tile work on the inside. It's a, it's a, it's just a. It feels like a, a beautiful relic from the LaGuardia era. And then it's not, it's not a small airport particularly, but one of the easiest airports to fly in and out of is Des Moines. Uh, my wife's family lives in Des Moines and it is just so nice to be able to drive up through security in five minutes. If that, um, it's, it's the, just the easiest place to pop in and out of, uh, if you need to. No, that's awesome. I, it's, uh, I, I feel like outdoor airports, uh, should be a separate category because, uh, you know, that, that, you know, you're in Hawaii or, yep. you know, anywhere yep. where they can have you out. 
Palm Springs, Long Beach, you know, um, it's a different vibe, uh, and, and one that doesn't feel like, you know, the rest of them. So I think that gets an asterisk. Matt, this has been great. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we hope to uh, have you on again in the future. Yeah, my pleasure. And I appreciate the opportunity and uh, good, good chatting with you. There's, there's, you know, our business is super complicated, but um, it's one that, you know, people experience all the time. They don't think about and, uh, you know, but happy to always enlighten folks on what's actually going on there at the airport. So appreciate the time today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.